Craft Beer Radio, episode 41, May 25th, 2006. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Jeff Bear. And I'm Greg Weiss. How you doing, Greg? I'm good. How are you? Tonight we are going to have one awesome show. One hopes. I mean, I haven't tried any of these beers. I mean, we assume they're good. They're like, everyone tells us Almost good. everyone's in the top 100 on yeah. Beer Advocate, so they should be pretty sweet. Well, that's, that's not saying much. We've had the Beer Advocate discussion before. Yeah. But I think we're going to be pleasantly... I mean... Happy to. You know my bias is how many stone beers are on that top list. You know, you said it's May 25th. That means it has been... My parents' 15, anniversary. 15 years since the Penguins won the first Stanley Cup. Wow. Yep. It's my parents' anniversary tonight, so happy anniversary. Penguin, your parents got married on the night the Penguins won the Stanley Cup? Mm, or it was, a, it was a few years before that. Okay. Something like mm, 23. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Craft Beer Radio Business. We had some people respond to the Beer Geek Roundtable, so that's good news. If anyone else is interested, just drop us an email at beer at craftbeerradio.com. We're all inclusive. If you want to join us, by all means, we have a lot of room on Skype and a lot of bandwidth to burn. Yeah, the rules are you need to know how to use, you need to be able to use Skype on your computer to talk to us. We're have a big conference call. We're just gonna chit chat about beer. We're not so one person wrote in, I'm not sure if we're gonna be able to get the beers you're drinking. We're not really having any beer yeah. requirements. Drink what you got in your fridge. We're just gonna talk about industry about beers about but whatever about lost if it comes up yeah who knows it'll be a fun show our cbr craft beer slogan contest we mentioned this at the very end of the right. last show so some of you might not have heard it we're looking for a slogan that we can put on a sticker something along the lines of life's too short to drink crappy beer but we wanted something original something new for craft beer radio if you have the winning suggestion i'll send you something from my cellar it's been one year, one whole year of Craft Beer Radio. Is that true? It's coming up soon, next beginning of next month. Yes, was it? It was June, right? June third was our first show. Wow! So, what we're going to do for our first year anniversary is we're going to have the first whole year of Craft Beer Radio on a DVD ROM. It's too way too big for a CD, so we're going to yeah. put on a DVD ROM. It's going to be all the episodes in a high bit rate format, 128 kilobits instead of the 48 that we send out on the mm-hmm. internet. Sort of sound a little bit better. We're going All to have our some. Slurps will sound that much more engaging. Yes, we'll have some extra content that never made it out onto the onto um, the internet there, which will be on the DVD DVD only content. I think I know what that is. And we're going to have for the for a donation of twenty five dollars, we'll send you the DVD, and also like a sticker too with our new slogan. Yeah, if we get the stickers for the that's that's what the slogan contest is for. <laughs> we wanted to find some kind of value added for the. Right. Uh, for the anniversary gift. So we're going to, if we get these stickers, we're going to send you some stickers with it as well. And maybe if you donate enough, we'll get you a tote bag. <laughs> this isn't NPR, Craig. We don't have tote bags <laughs> to throw at every single donate. I'm sure we can find something. <laughs> we'll steal one from, from the store across the street. <laughs> There's going to be a party coming up at the CBR Studios. A.K.A. Jeff's House. Any of you Craft Beer Radio listeners in or around Pittsburgh... Or if you're coming in from out of town next weekend. Well, June, it'll be this weekend. June, June 3rd. June 3rd, I'm having a party at my house. So if you are in... I live up in the Cranberry area north of Pittsburgh. If you're or want to take a ride. Hmm? Or want to take a ride. 
Yeah. I mean, well, no, I was telling the people that I live up in Cranberry, so they know oh. basically how far they have to go. If you want to come, you are invited, so just give me an email, jeff at craftbeerradio.com, and I'll get you all the information you need. I'd love that for some fans to come. That'd be pretty cool. My mom would be like, oh, my God, there's people listen to this, and they actually come to your party? <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. So one of you, please, you need to come. There are several ways that you can send us feedback. You can post a comment on our website, which is craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us on the Podcast Alley website and leave us a comment. You can sign up for our Frapper map, leave a comment there, or talk in the chat room. Uh, there was a little chat room thing there. I was on there once. There was no one else there. So <laughs> chatting to myself, but I had a good time. There's also message boards up there, which I haven't checked in six months. So <laughs> I hope there's no messages up there. Maybe take a look at that over at work someday. You can send us an email or audio comment to our email address, beer at craftbeerradio.com. On to email. Scott Fitzgerald from Maine says, Have you considered having a show all about coffee beers? Recently had the opportunity to try the Espresso Stout from Thunderhead Brewing in Kearney, Nebraska. I'm sure there are a lot of other good ones out there. Well, yes, there are, but here's the thing about doing a coffee shit, right? All coffee beers, pretty much everyone I know of is a high-gravity beer. They're all stouts, pretty much. Yeah, stouts, stouts porters. porters. And you're also getting, because there's coffee involved, you're getting caffeine. So we're going to be wired and drunk at the end of this show, and then the pro show is going to be insane. But there's a lot of giggling. Yeah. <laughs> and us alone here trying to get enough beers together, it'd be very difficult. But if listeners want to start sending us coffee beers, let us know. I have a couple bottles of Bell's Java Stout. We're doing the Founders Breakfast Stout today, so that won't be off the table for the show. But if you guys want to do coffee beers, you got to send them in. <laughs> Jeff from Australia reported that he's safe and sound. We mentioned oh, last week that you know sweet. he lived in the, the same state as where the, the cyclone hit. Mm-hmm. And he was glad that we liked the beers that he smuggled across the International Day Line. Little Creatures uses Cascade and Chinook all the way from Oregon, which he told us because we were wondering last, year, right. last week what was in it. And you must say his view of James Squire Porter was a little more jaundiced than ours. He was looking for a more... Robust, robust yeah. in-your-face beer. And we were appreciating the subtleties of the beer. So he was sort of surprised how the good things we had to say about that beer. Well, I mean, we, being in America, we get big beers all the time. And so something that's a little bit more calm, it dialed it down a bit in terms of overall robustness and, ter- and gave gave you some more flavors that you really wanted to have. It was really delicious. We also got a, a listener who said that Jane Squire is available in California. Oh, yeah. I forgot to put that on here. So some of you will be able to get that. Drew from Coco Beachwood, and I've been subscribing to your show on iTunes for quite a while. And I pass the CDs on to my friends. So thank you very much, Drew. He had a comment about when we were talking about the Heineken in the green bottle. Right. And also the Beck's about skunking. He wanted to mention that you don't have that problem when beer comes in cans. We've right. mentioned that in the past, but it, it's always good to, to repeat, repeat information like this. Yeah, we so, run into in this problem where we've done all the shows, so we know what we talked about, and we forget that other people are just sort of ca- they're catching on, listening to the show maybe a couple episodes in. They don't know that we've talked about all this stuff. So we kind of. And we I'm also sure that. that even our most rabid listeners don't yeah. remember every word we say. So. so we should get into a habit of repeating ourselves. But yes, it is true. Light source, you know, your, your issues with being light struck will not happen in a can. Carl from New York City said he just heard our most recent show on Australian and Japanese beers and said he enjoyed it. Well, thanks. We're glad you did. Uh, when Greg was discussing Japan's peculiar love of English word, he got some terms mixed up. 
I'm not surprised. <laughs> uh, just to clarify things, kanji is essentially Chinese characters which have been adopted into the Japanese written language. Yeah, I think I mentioned that kanji was an alphabet or something. That's wrong. Uh, we use a Roman alphabet, not, not an Arabic one. Yeah, I said an Arabic alphabet. We use Arabic numbers. Yeah. We use a Roman alphabet. This is true. Hey, you guys all knew more than me. Yeah. I, I was drawing a blank <laughs> on what they were called. Dr. Steve wrote in. He enjoyed the Whippier show quite a bit and expired him to do a side-by-side tasting. And he was amazed at how different two beers of the same style tasted when they're side-by-side. Yeah. You know, we do it every week, and we always comment about the differences in the beers. If you haven't, it made me think, if you haven't tried this yet, do, do what he did. You don't have to get five beers of the same style. Just get two and compare them against each other and see what you think. It'll, you'll really notice the differences between the beers when you do them side by side. Definitely. If you go, if you drink two different wit beers at two different occasions, you might think, oh yeah, they taste the same. But you, when you have them side by side, you can really tell the differences. Absolutely. It's, it's a learning experience. It's something that we, you know, if you haven't done it yet, we definitely recommend you do because it really does, it'll teach you a lot about beer, even like Jeff said, just two. Another Steve posted a comment on the website that says, We misspoke on the show. Founders is in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know what we said. I have no idea what we but, said. Uh, it must have been bad. But yeah, they are in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we're sorry. Another Steve. And on to news. Two items this week. I guess I'll let you have the fun one. I'll do the first one. Okay. Anheuser-Busch buys Rolling Rock. Rolling Rock was owned by InBev. And what they did was they sold the formula in the trademarks and the beer to Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch is going to brew it at a brewery in New Jersey, I believe. Their secret formula. Secret formula. Don't so tell now there's like a there's like a million-barrel brewery without a beer in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. So I wonder if that Sam Adams rumor that we talked about might have a little more credence now. If there, you know, well, any brewery looking for capacity might I don't know. I mean, the in. Sam Adams, the other thing about Sam Adams is they would be getting the Rolling Rock line. They'd be able to do some marketing with it. Maybe but if they in. just need capacity... Because they can't use Rolling Rock. Budweiser owns all the trademarks and everything for that. So now it's just a brewery without an identity. Do they own the 33? I guess so. I'm sure they do. (laughs) whoop they do But, you know, if you need a million barrels of beer to be, you know, capacity-wise, you might want to consider buying Latrobe Brewing. I've been up to, to, was it Latrobe? Latrobe. I've been up to... All the Latrobians, make sure you call it Latrobe. I've been up to Latrobe before a couple times. Uh, That's where skiing is done, that sort of thing. And, yeah, every bar there has Rolling Rock on tap. Absolutely. The Rolling Rock employees want um, everyone to boycott Anheuser-Busch products. We'll be Done. right there behind you. <laughs> We're supporting the employees of Latro <laughs> Brewing Company. You got it, guys. Unless Budweiser comes out with something good. Heavyweight Brewing is closing. We, wanted to, we had this story last week. We held off on it because we didn't have confirmation. But it is true. Heavyweight Brewing is going to close this summer, unfortunately, because we really did enjoy Heavyweight Brewing. Tom Baker, who is the co-founder and brewmaster, acknowledged that they only have a, they only have three brews left. It will be completely closed down sometime in July. He and his wife and co-founder Peggy Zwerver expect to remain active in the local beer scene and will be looking to establish a combination good beer bar and brew pub, possibly in the Philadelphia suburbs. That's great for people in the Philadelphia suburbs, not so good for people around here who want to enjoy heavyweight beers but here's the interesting thing the final three heavyweight beers will all be made with bread yeast baker said haha he's a baker get it mm-hmm. baker said and the final one will be a smorgasbord beer into which i'll put all the ingredients still left in the brewery <laughs> that it sounds great but like jeff was telling me before the show we'll probably never see it because it'll probably be only be on tap it'll be draft only if it makes the pittsburgh uh, maybe i'll have to i'll put a uh, a feeler out at vicini's and uh 
measure have Tony call me if it's going to show yeah. up anywhere. But I also put in an order at Save on Beer for a case of Pacuno's Hammer. Mine is all gone. My case heavyweights. Gone, gone, Yeah, gone. they had a couple cases of variety pack, but... That's were, good enough. I just... If I can get a case of the hammer, that's what I want. Please hammer. Don't hurt him. So that's the story. Heavyweight series of one-time, one-place specialty beers became something of a holy grail for most dedicated beer fanciers, including us. We have a couple one-time, one-place farmhouse saisons. One-time, one-farmhouse, which is easier for most people to get. I've been lucky enough to have two of the one-time, one-place beers where he makes two kegs, one barrel of beer, and takes it to one bar. And that's it. That's the only time the beer's yeah. been made. I had a beer called Bizarro at the heavy, at the Sharp Edge Creek House, which is a Belgian quad double blend on <laughs> cask. Oh, so good. And then when I was up in New York City the Christmas before last, they had an Imperial Stout on tap at the Blind Tiger. And that was good, too. So long, heavyweight. We'll miss you. Absolutely. I have to check out Tom's new place in Philadelphia. So, Jeff, what beer am I? The beer that I was last week was Weyerbacher's Decadence, their anniversary beer. Well, our winners were Bra- <clears throat> our winners were Brian, Chad, Daniel, Sean, and Chad too. Another Chad. Why don't you tell our winners what they won, Greg? They win this question. What beer am I? I am a golden ale made in the Bière de Gard tradition. I am made by a Belgian-style brewery who's named after a gourd. I am open-fermented barrel-aged, and bottle-conditioned. I have a Spanish name, and so do some of my brothers. That's what you win. Congratulations. So if you have a guess on what this week's What Beer Am I, send an email to beer at craftbeerradio.com. And also, um, intern Scott, we only have like one or two more What Beer Am I's, or anyone else, if you want to submit What Beer Am I clue, send us an email. Please do. Founders Brewing, Jeff. Why don't you tell me a bit about Founders Brewing is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yes. Which I have right on the fact sheet, so I have no <laughs> idea what we said last week. I probably said Minnesota, be my guess. Opened in 1997, the brewers are Jeremy Kosmicki and Sam Sherwood. Annual production is 3,000 barrels a year, so it's a relatively small brewery. Mm-hmm. Formerly named Canal Street. They have some stuff on their website, and it starts out, We bring you truly great beer. We have focused our efforts on one simple pursuit. Ignore mainstream. We brew the beer that we want to drink. In the pursuit, we have found lower efficiencies, higher cost, less yields, and smaller market share. This may seem like an unsound business model, but in our pursuit for bigger and better, we have discovered the subculture of microbrewery aficionados, people like you, who enjoy beers that push the envelope of creativity. And let's look a little bit at their history. They were founded, like we said, in November 1997. They started as a hobby and quickly became a thriving business. Well, I wouldn't call 3,000 thriving, but... Hey, thriving if that's the scale you want to work I at. suppose. Founders operate a small facility of 10,000 square feet that houses all its manufacturing. Current capacity allows for approximately 4,000 barrels per year, with plans to significantly expand manufacturing in 2006. That would be good. That's basically what we have. I mean, the rest is just marketing speak. We are going to try some of these beers that are ranked very highly by everyone who tries them, and we hope by us too. Our first beer, like we said, is the Dirty Bastard. You know what? I didn't need the bottle opener. They're twist-off. Yeah, these these are the short stubby bottles, which are just about always twist-off. We are drinking these, all of these, we are drinking in brandy snifters. 
might not be as appropriate for this style of scotch ale, but for the rest of them, which are pretty high alcohol, very ar- aromatic stouts, right. that's what we wanted to drink them out of. Like we said, this is a scotch ale brewed year-round, 8.3% alcohol by volume. It is what they call their flagship beer. It's a absolute beautiful beer to behold, says the marketing spiel. 50 IBUs. Forget the marketing spiel for a second and take a whiff of this puppy. Okay. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh it's uh very very sweet and very sugary aromatic. And malty. It, it's uh like they they call it a dark ruby color and I would say that kind that pretty much does and it smells say very it. very alcoholic for 8.3%. So it's very alcoholic, smells very it, it almost has a Belgian sugariness to it from the smell. Not that much of a head on it. Oh, that's one of those beers you can just smell for like ever. It didn't pour with much of a head. It's certainly bottle conditioned. I got big chunks of yeast in the bottom line. I wasn't careful enough to canting it. It has a little bit of mm, a little bit of earthiness to that to that aroma. The aroma, sweetness. The, it's so alcohol. Like for those who've had it, it's very reminiscent of like the 120 minute IPA in the aroma. How alcoholy and sweet that smells. Wouldn't you say? But it doesn't have the hoppiness that the 120 minute does. Yeah. Lots of smoke in the flavor. I'm getting a dark chocolate with some extra sweetness there. But I got a fir- lot of smoked malt type flavor. The first the thing that came to my mind was was dark chocolate. Like I was jumping on like, you know, 70, 80% dark chocolate. Hmm. I'm not really getting dark chocolate. I'm getting smoke for most of the flavor on mine. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> well, here we go again. I can see where you're coming up with the smoke. There's not a lot of bitterness here. Hops are, are pretty downplayed to to the malt, and really the alcohol is, is well for Scottish style. They're, they're not hoppy. Yeah, hops don't. A good story behind that for listeners who haven't heard it. Hops don't grow in Scotland very well, so they have to import all their hops during you know the Imperial Great Britain English days. Yeah, our English listeners are like, what the hell are they talking about? I don't know, you know, but they were they tax the hop imports. So the Scottish said, not paying taxes, we'll just make a less hoppy beer. I mean, that's basically the short of right. why this style evolved this way. Wow, that is... This th- is their flagship beer. Not the most accessible beer that a brewery makes, huh? Yeah, this is not exactly what I would consider the, the beer to introduce somebody to the founders with. On the other hand... Oh, no, it's good. It's it, excellent. It, I mean, it really is. I'm, I'm definitely it, enjoying if you're, it. If, what he meant, what Greg meant to say, and I want to clarify here, is if you have a non-beer drinker and you're like, oh, I got this Founders Brewery, they make great beers, give this a try. Yeah, this, this would not be the one I, I present to them. But um, if this is their flagship beer, it, tell, it says a lot about the brewery. Yeah, exactly like the mission that I read. Yeah. It's, it's pretty accurate. Wow. That is yummy. It's, uh, <laughs> it's got a nice... Thick mouthfeel. Not too thick, but it's got a thick enough mouthfeel. Oh, here's a fun thing on the neck label. Let's see. Can you do a Scottish accent? No, I can, I can do a horrible one. Uh, well, horrible would probably be better than mine. But let's see. Och, yay. Neri had such a bonny taste of heavy since pulling your mouth from your mommy's teat. 
it was more highlighted fiddles <laughs> and flavors than your grandmommy's haggis. <laughs> Dirty bastard ale ain't for the wee lads, and it's too strong for ye silk wearing poodle walking arse. Then it's back to the lock with you, Nissy. That's what's on the neck label. <laughs> It's like Sputnik. Spiritual, <laughs> but quite pointy and farts. Heads, move! Now! <laughs> ah, one of the first Michael Myers. Man. Um, it's a good beer. It's a very good beer. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm trying to ascertain some of their flavors here. In most of these beers, you would associate these flavors with, with fruit, but I'm not getting the kind of fruitiness. That, you know how I said this beer is not as well suited for a snifter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're wrong. 100% wrong. You're wrong. The style isn't necessarily suited for a sniffer, but this beer is such alcohol aroma in it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just delicious to breathe this thing in. A lot of these high-gravity beers, like I've been saying, we've been talking about fruit, you know, dark cherry or even raisin or prune or something. That I'm not getting that here. Scottish are also typical for that peatiness. Yeah. yeah. The peatiness, though, is, is downplayed as well. It, yeah. it's, it's more – it's got some nice sugary malt to it. And it has plenty of alcohol presence. See, I'm still tasting a lot of smoke. And remember when we had the old chub from Oscar Blues, that Scottish yellow in the can? Mm-hmm. It had a lot of smoke to it, and we didn't like it. It didn't fit that beer at all. And you don't think this beer has that much smoke. I think it does, and I think it fits the beer very well, though. I mean, what I'm tasting, like I said, is chocolate, dark chocolate. Not like a milk chocolate, but really a dark chocolate. It's not bitter, a bitter chocolate, but it's not like it's a bitter beer. It's just that's the flavor that's coming through. Right there on the, on the tip of my tongue, down the center. I am not getting chocolate, no matter how I try. They have a nice creamy mouthfeel to it, of course, certainly. Mm-hmm. But, but, I mean, that's as close as I'm coming to chocolate, is like a creamy mouthfeel. We wish you could taste this stuff, because, man, if you, if you can get Founders and you're drinking this. I can't wait to try these next four beers. <laughs> it's given away to more alcohol as it warms up. Jeff's already done, so he can't really <laughs> can't really comment. I'm trying to think. How does this compare to other Scottish ales? I mean, it's been such a long two, time since I had other well, Scottish ales. I had things. to try it side by side. To the style, it doesn't seem to be like right in the style of Scottish ales very much. But enjoyability-wise, I mean, I think one of my favorites is McEwen Scotch Ale, and I think this just knocks the pants off it enjoyability wise there's some interesting flavors of course when you let when you let the air run over your tongue after it's down yeah. it's like pulling your mouth off your mommy's teat I don't really remember that you but don't <laughs> it's been a long time nor do I speaking of mommy's teats let's go on to our next beer that was a hell of a segue huh <laughs> that is a great segue. So I suppose we shall do breakfast out. Yeah, all right. Bring on the big one. This is the breakfast out, the one we've been wanting to try for a long, long time. It is an American double stout, 8.3% alcohol. By the way, we have to thank Jeffrey T. from the Good Beer Show for sending oh, all these Oh, yeah, we got to plug the hell out of him, don't we? Goodbeershow.com. They, uh... They meet in, they're out of Muncie, Indiana. They meet at a beer hall called the Harat. They drink some beer. They have live bands on. They interview the bands. Bands usually don't appreciate the good beer. Ah, the breakfast stout. This is the one we've been waiting to try a long, long time. 
It says on the Beer Advocate style is American Double Stout, but people who know have described it as a chocolate coffee cream stout, uh, co- chocolate coffee cream oatmeal stout, I've heard it described as. Okay. With that said, why don't you pour me a glass? <clears throat> 8.3% alcohol by volume, 25 IBUs. It is pouring like oil. <laughs> Most milk stouts do pour yeah. really dark because lactose really impairs the translucency of the beer. I can see myself in the beer. That's how dark it is. It has turned the glass into a mirror. And it's got a, a really... Oh, my God. What? A slug of yeast the size of the, the opening of the bottle <laughs> just fell into my glass. Oh, my God. Wait. There's no yeast on the bottom of the bottle. What the hell was that? Is there a finger in my beer? Maybe there's an egg. It is a breakfast stout. What the hell was that? There's the bottom of the bottle's clean, but something this, like the size of you know the tip of your pinky fell into my beer. It fell into my beer. And of course, I can't see it. Yeah. Well, we'll find out when it gets down to the bottom. It's, it's a really dark. Uh, yeah, I smelled that. <laughs> it's a really dark. Well, it doesn't head smell too. like fingers, so that's good. It smells like coffee. Wow. It smells like. Coffee is Fresh right. brewed coffee. You, I mean, you go into a store and you have the fresh coffee grounds out there and you take a whiff of that. That's what this sucker smells like. With a bit of alcohol in there as well. You say coffee at first, but it's giving way to sweetness. Mm-hmm. Mm. With, uh, wow. <laughs> Give away sweetness with the chocolate maltiness comes in near the end. A lot of distinct flavors coming out as you drink it. If there's oatmeal in here, it certainly seems that way. There's a very full mouthfeel, nice creaminess to it. Coffee is certainly the forward flavor on this thing. It's funny. When I was in Japan, Shane started to brew some coffee for me, and I said, do you have cream and sugar? He said, no, but I don't use it in my coffee. And I was like, well, you know, I've had that before, but I don't really like it. He gave me the coffee, and it was great. Just okay. without the cream and sugar. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because, you know, he gets really good coffee and he brews it right. Okay. Whereas the stuff I'm used to drinking at work, you know, you got to pour sugar and cream into it over right. and over again in order for it to be palatable. Sure. This somewhat reminds me of that. It's, okay. it's a it's a dark coffee. It's really not a lot of, you know, 25 IBU is not very bitter. gives you that coffee flavor, but other flavors as well are coming with it. Almost has some of that flavor that you would expect. Out of a little bit of milk, you know, a little bit of milk in your coffee, a little bit of sugar, I think, thanks to lactose. I'm kind of worried about what I'm going to find on the bottom of this glass. <laughs> it's a prize. It's like Cracker Jack. <laughs> it's a baby rat. Yay! <laughs> It'd be just like Strange Room. I found a mouse in the bottom of my beer, eh? Give me a free case. <laughs> if we can get a free case from Founders, it's pretty good. Wow, this is... I love coffee beers. And this is a coffee beer. Yeah, it certainly is. Now I'm starting to, now that I've had like three or four sips, I'm able to find things behind the coffee. Getting a lot of roasted malt in there. So that's the first real beer flavor I'm picking off of this after the, the coffee. It's definitely behind me. The coffee is going to hit you first. Yeah. You swallow that, gives way to the lactose and the sweetness. And then flaring around the outside of your mouth, you get the, the malt. And it ends with a had a, really just a touch of bitterness, a little bit on the on the back of your tongue, and that kind of goes away. 
just a little bit stays. There's, really, this is just as much alcohol as a scotch, but I don't taste the alcohol as much. It's slightly different from what my expectations were coming into this beer. I was thinking of it more, it was going to be more sweet and less, a little bit less coffee. I knew it was going to be coffee too, but mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more of a sweet, um, maybe a bit more candy-like, but it's very well done. I'm not complaining. It's just, I just wanted to relay what my expectations were. Oh, right here. Double chocolate coffee oatmeal stout is what it says on the label. Mm. And the label's pretty cool. There's a kid, a toddler, maybe four years old, eating like a bowl, like a big bowl of cereal or oatmeal or something like that. He has a bib on. Should you put kids on your label for beer? Particularly one that's 8.3% alcohol? Sure, why not? Why not? Exactly. That's our attitude. We're laissez-faire about the whole thing. <laughs> In contrast to our last couple of weeks, maybe not last week, but the weeks before, there's a lot of flavor here. Oh, certainly. And there's just layers upon layers. And in a sense, maybe that's just as hard to pick out. But at least we can define those. Yeah, the coffee, I mean, to me, the coffee is kind of obscuring some of the other flavors. I'm able to get some roastiness. I think there might be some dark fruit in there, but it's kind of hard to pick out. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm mostly getting just, you know, the coffee. You get that. (laughs) How do you describe a coffee flavor besides just saying coffee? I'm not really sure. There's obviously bitterness associated with it, but not too much. It's not malty. It's it's not sweet. It's hmm. It's along the lines of tannic, but not really. Mm-hmm. We need to ask a coffee drinker how yeah. to describe coffee. But then you know they're just used to describing the differences between coffees. You know, this one has a nuttiness. This one has a yeah, but describing coffee flat out, it, it's almost like destri- describing orange juice. You know, I mean, <laughs> citrusy. It's, it's acidic. It's, yeah. it's citrusy. This is, I guess, we could say it is a flavor of a dark coffee. You know, not not a Folgers crystals type thing, but really a dark uh, coffee. Something is. I don't know much about coffee, but. Not an espresso either, you know, it's more of a real blended yeah, it coffee. It just certainly seems like a good, strong, dark, roasted coffee. Mm-hmm. I mean, but again, you know how many cups of coffee I've, coffee I've had in my life? <laughs> I think maybe two or one. What? I'm not a coffee drinker. But still, you must have had coffee. Not really. A couple I'm, cups. Two cups, maybe. I'm telling you. Uh, That's like two more than I've had cigarettes in my life, so. <laughs> I'm telling you, having a, a good cup of coffee is something special. Take a look at that. Wow, what is that? <laughs> That's whatever is in Jeff's... Uh... It came to the top. It's this big, gelatinous mass. That's not big enough to scoop it out. I don't know. <laughs> There's no spoon down here. I'll be right back. Jeff will be right back. You know, Jeffrey T has called us the CSI of beer shows several times. Uh-huh. I think he put this in the beer, so we'd have to figure out what the hell it is. <laughs> well, let's call it the lab. It looks like yeast. It is gelatinous. What the hell is that? You know what? Oh, that's what it is. It, it's about the size of the bottom of the bottle, so mm-hmm. it was this gelatinous yeast slash... God knows what that was on the bottom of the bottle. (laughs) 
put in your empty glass there. <laughs> Maybe that's like, what's that stuff? Yeast? It's like Vegemite, but with yeast? Maybe it has something to do with the oatmeal? I, I've never seen anything like this. It is very solid. It's like I'm stretching it back out. Yeah, it fits, fits the bottle perfectly, the bottom of the bottle. Hmm. Oh, well. At least it's not a finger. <laughs> that we know of. We're going to send that to the lab, Jeffrey T., and get it analyzed. At least it didn't adversely affect the taste of the beer. No. We don't think. No, I think... Oh, it's sticking inside the glass. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to wash that one out. <laughs> That's a very good beer. Yes. Yes, it is. If you see this on the shelves, and... Well, if you live in Grand Rapids and get it all the time, you know about this already. But if you're outside of the area and you see this, you should not pass it up. Now, do you want to go for the oak version right now? Because once we do an IPA, it's going <coughs> to... Once we do an IPA, it's going to ruin us for... Especially that IPA. Yeah. Let's do the oak, then we'll do the imperial. Okay. Well, to, to make matters a little bit worse... <laughs> Or better, depending on how you define it, we're going to try the Kentucky Breakfast, which is the oaked version of the same beer we just tried. This is no. the first time I think we've had the oak beer right after the regular beer, is it? Yeah, I think so. Now, I think they might have not gotten label approval here. Because, you know, Dog Pachette has subscribed out some stuff where, you know, like the uh, the Worldwide South gives you vim and vigor. It says here, gives relief from rheumatism, allergia, <laughs> scatatia, Lame back, lumbargo, contracted muscles, toothache, sprains, swellings, and all manner of dis- distress. Yeah, I don't think it's FDA approved. <laughs> it, the label is kind of like um, old time. Old like, tonics, yeah. Old time, old snake doctor type stuff. Yeah. yeah. Is that another twist off? Or? Yeah, but it's just easier for me to use the the cool as, cool as hell Heineken Premium Light. That's the best thing about Heineken Premium Light, I gotta tell you. Maybe you'll get the slug, slug of gelatinous mess this time. I'm betting on you. Even darker, if that was possible. It is, isn't it? <laughs> These are certainly snifter yeah. beers. Even darker. Although the head looks, maybe maybe I'm just psychosomatically implying this, but slightly less dark. And no gelatinous blob for Jeff. Not in the bottom of the bottle, either. And, Wow. Is, could that be that the best is, coffee? That is a strange smell. It, it's coffee and bourbon. Bourbon oak. Yeah. That's a strange mix. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. It, it's uh, This is a real breakfast out. If you're going to have your breakfast with a, with a beer, you might as well throw some whiskey in it. <laughs> These are both ranked, I think, in the top 20 if you're advocate. They're no, like right beside one another, too. Wow. That... That smells amazing. <laughs> it does. I'm getting a lot more whiskey now than I am coffee. Mm-hmm. But the coffee's still there, but it's not nearly you know as omnipresent as it was in the previous one. Oh my god, that flavor is awesome! It goes, it blends so well. Wow, it is significantly better than the the breakfast stout, in my opinion. Um, it's got a clear bourbon taste, and that's wow. going to hit you. Did you, the, the, did you get the, the sweet coffee. late aftertaste yet? Mm-hmm. 
It came yeah. on like yeah. slowly and gets really sweet. Yeah. Okay, so start from the beginning. You get probably um, two thirds, two thirds bourbon, one third coffee at the beginning of the flavor. Right? Is that where you break it down? Let me let me give it a taste while okay. you're describing it, and I'll see if you're right. Okay. <laughs> so I'd say about two thirds bourbon, one third coffee, and it, it's really smooth. It blends together well. The flavors don't clash. You can't. Ima- I mean, you would think, how the hell does coffee and bourbon blend? It blends very well in this mix. And then you get after the bourbon and coffee, you get some alcohol, mm-hmm. you get some some stout, some roastiness, and then as you start talking, you get this this late sweetness that you get from some bourbon, and probably from the other breakfast material in this, this stout or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a very good description. <laughs> so I mean I can see Greg and he's like nodding like oh and here comes the sweetness yeah, yeah. <laughs> because if you ever do a shot of bourbon you get this late sweetness. I don't know how to really explain it other than that. And people who know what I'm talking about are like yeah there is a late sweetness there and it comes up in this beer too. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, it, it, I think it's enhanced by <laughs> by the the chocolate, oatmeal, coffee, cream, whatever notes. You know what's funny to me? We already have this is our third beer. I'm already starting to feel it, right? <laughs> I'm thinking we sh- we haven't really described why wood creates those extra flavors, right? And what they do is they char the wood, and I, f- I forget exactly why they char the wood. I think it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's I'm too. Not, I'm not up on you know just making this you know bourbon and whiskey, um, but it is charred wood. It's yeah. oak. These beers are all oak edged, and they're all used barrels. Right. And I mean, almost everything you get oak edged is bourbon. used. So there is some bourbon you know absorbed in the wood, so you get a lot of that flavor back. At the same time, I believe what happens is there's a chemical reaction in the wood that creates more alcohol. More alcohol? Yeah, because I know that you can make ethanol from wood. I'm pretty sure that you can actually get more alcohol from the wood. Pretty now, sure. I'm cu- I, I'd love to try a beer that is made in a you, an old bourbon cask versus a brand new oak cask. To see yeah. how much of this flavor is from whiskey, or if, does oak add all that signature whiskey flavor? It's an interesting question. I, they, they char it. If there's a good reason why they char it, and if I had it in front of me, maybe we should bring it up on the next show or at least respond exactly why. Or probably some listener will send so us. So we need a producer to, to be Googling yeah. that right now. Yeah. Get your get your wife on it. Let's go. <laughs> chop, chop. Because if we start Googling, it's just going to be a boring yeah. show. So. What's interesting to me was, was when Anheuser-Busch, we talked to the guy, and he used it. They actually dropped planks into the actual fermenting cast. You know, right? It would have taken so much work to... So yeah. actually barrel all the beer in the casks. So I understand breaking the cask apart, cleaning, well, you know, basically power washing or sandblasting the outside, breaking them apart and dropping them in the beer, in the firm, in the aging tanks. That makes sense for a large scale. Absolutely. And it, it accomplishes essentially the same. It yeah. works essentially the same. It's not quite the same, I guess, but it did the job. And it, like we said, it was not a bad beer. And it was not this though. <laughs> no, absolutely not. This, the mouthfeel is is extraordinarily good. It really just feels it feels right. There's a way to describe it better. I don't know what it is. It, it feels it, it feels right as it's coming down. It blends so well. The coffee, the the bourbon, the sweetness. It 
it's amazing, just about. I mean, I don't want to be here just cooing over beer, but this one deserves it, I think. Now, you're you're obviously much more a fan of this than the other one. I'm on the fence a bit. Okay. Because I love the coffee. You know, I love a coffee beer. Mm -hmm. It's been established through many shows. And I love, you know, the the overt coffeeness. This one, the coffee is dialed down. The bourbon is dialed up. It's excellent. Is it? Do I like it more? I I really don't know. I have to think about it a little bit more. Okay, no, I understand that. Yeah, it certainly doesn't have as much upfront coffee. There's plenty of coffee in it, but it's not as much upfront. Right. It does not. You know, when we're drinking the normal breakfast out, I mean, it was like taking it's like drinking a cup of coffee first, drinking a beer second. And this one's not that way. This one's drinking a beer or you know a spirit first. And to give you an idea. Second. The first one was a breakfast stout. This one is a after dinner stout. Oh yeah. Imagine how this would go with some some desserts. Of vanilla ice cream. This would just yeah. this would be unbelievable with vanilla ice cream. Uh, this is unbelievable with you know, right now. I'm just like I I, I mean I, I really think this would go so well with, with some maybe uh, an ice cream cake. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't hesitate to say this might be the number one wow beer of 2006 for me. Mm. It's so good. Uh, I I think that one of these, at least for me, is a wow beer. I have to decide which one. And we still got the the Imperial Stout and the Devil Dancer to try. But Oh, man, this is going to be one of those wow beers. Mm. Now now here's something for you, Greg. Mm Mm-hmm. Can you imagine Stone Russian Imperial Stout being ranked 20 spaces higher on the list than these last two beers? No, not at all. <laughs> that that makes no sense to me whatsoever. In Bizarro Universe, maybe, but no, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> do we inhabit Bizarro Universe? Maybe we do. Maybe we do, because this these... This beer is head and shoulders better yeah, than Russian Stone definitely. Russian Imperial Stout. Absolutely. I, I, there's no question in my mind. and we, Of course, I'm the guy who doesn't like Stone that much, but you like Stone. And you're saying that, so... There is the whole availability thing, and that works itself into the algorithm. Right. And everyone in the country can get stoned, just about. Only a few people can get these, so it makes some sense. But, I mean, if if everything was equal, these would be many places ahead. I mean, what beer person tries this and doesn't like it? Not a person I can think of. Yeah. I'm I'm about to set it shit a tear because I only have like a sip and a half left or two sips left. Our next beer. Let me see if I have the thing here. This is Impy. I know. I was looking for the uh, fact sheet. The Imperial Stout. Their Russian Imperial Stout. Their winter release. <laughs> Pours even blacker than the last two. Ten <laughs> percent alcohol. Twenty-five IBUs again. So they're they're not really up in the IBUs. No fair. I poured you too much. Look, rats. <laughs> and uh, the, the head is very dark. Yeah, it's a nice dark brown head. It's it's what you see in, in some of my favorite stouts. Look like this. Mm-hmm. Have a head this dark. So I'm psyched. It has a head like a um, a Bell's Expedition, or um, I don't think a Yeti has a stout has a head this dark. Mm-mm. I would agree. Has that sweetness yeah. that you would expect the smells from Imperial Stout. pretty much spot on for one of those really dark, rich Imperial Stouts, like the Bell's Expedition. 
which gives you a lot of roast, some sweetness in there. Not too much alcohol in the aroma, though. It smells like an Imperial Stout. It smells like a good Imperial Stout. Smells not that different from a stone Russian Imperial Stout either. I think it's pretty similar to that. The flavor is a little more balanced and dialed back than the stone. Yes, definitely. It's got a fair share of bitterness. It doesn't feels like a, a slightly more than 25 IBUs that, 25 IBUs that there actually are. It uh, gives you a lot of dark roastiness that really just, you know, waffles over your tongue completely. Let me give another sip here. You know, it's funny. <laughs> this is going to be one of those stupid comments, but the swirl is kind of taking a yin-yang shape in my... <laughs> It, it is. That, that's nice. It's it's only something you'd notice on the fourth beer of a strong yeah. beer show. But yeah, it certainly does look that way. So the good and evil of beer are expressed right here. I don't know if it's after having these other two extremely flavorful beers, but this one is it is dialed it, back a bit. It is dialed back. My expectations were pretty damn high after the last two beers. To be honest, it's not where I thought it would be. It's not quite as powerful. I mean, it's 10%, right? And you expect, I don't know, a little bit more sweetness, I yeah, think. Yeah, 10%. Some of my favorite Imperial Stouts have a, a distinct warming or alcohol flavor to it. This one has it hidden, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's fine. I don't need to taste alcohol in every beer. But in this style of... I'll call it I'll call it the Jeff Bear Premium Imperial Stout, right? Which is what falls into that is the Yeti, the Bell's Expedition, the Old Rasputin, and the Avery Czar. Okay. Which are different from Storm Kings and Block Chocolates and other ones like that. That's my top tier of Russian Imperial Stouts. Has that distinct warming to it. And when it misses it, like when it doesn't have it like this one does, then it falls down to the Storm King level, the Black Chocolate Stout a level. A strong stout, but not quite the same. Not not the top yeah. tier. Not what I'd call a premium top level Russian Imperial. I'm with you on this one because, yeah, when you want an, a real, you know, an Imperial stout, you, you want something that's going to strong, it's going to hit you. You're going to feel it. Mm-hmm. You can taste that alcohol. What you're re- it's, it's like you say, it's hidden here. You don't you don't have the thing where you breathe out and breathe in and get lots of different flavors. They're now there. let's not beat up this beer too much. It's wonderful. It's it's there's no problems with it. Yeah, it's just we're looking at you know good Russian imperial stouts are some of the best beers out there in my mm-hmm. opinion, and this one doesn't stack up to the top. It's not in the top five. We've so. just had three exceptional beers, and here comes one that's very good. We it's don't want good. to damn with faint praise here because this is an excellent beer in its own right. right. It's got the sweetness. You get a lot of that roastiness. It's kind of that dry, powdery roastiness that we mm-hmm. talked about in some stouts. Yeah. It's nice and enjoyable. It's not, astring- it's not astringent. Just wish it had a little bit of alcohol to it. You know, noticeable alcohol. Yeah. At 10%, you should be able to taste it. I mean, hell, the the uh, the Dirty Bastard smelled like 95% alcohol and then 5% yeah. other things. So. I'm getting a little more alcohol in the aroma now. The alcohol is there. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I can certainly feel it. <laughs> <laughs> just not really taste it. Yeah. Well, you know you know why we can't taste the alcohol? We just drank a bourbon stout. Yeah. 
there, there's something to that. Maybe a little washout with water will help. I already tried that. It didn't help. But, I mean, we just drank a bourbon stout, which tastes like whiskey for a lot of the flavor. <laughs> so to be able to taste the barley alcohol out of, you know, a normal imperial stout, I can see how it, our tongues would miss it after the bourbon stout. Mm, you got a point there. We don't want to imply that if the only founders you see is an imperial stout, that it's not a good beer because it's it's very enjoyable. Give it a chance to warm up in your hand, but I'm casing a little bit more alcohol too. Almost as much as the Dirty Bastard. Not quite. That one was over the top in alcohol aroma, but I'm getting 30% of that much alcohol smell. It's there. No denying that. Drinking Imperial Stouts and it's almost same time. Isn't it great? <laughs> well, it, it's funny because when we tried the Stone, we tried it in the summer. And we were like, yeah, maybe it's not the right time. They tried it in the winter. <laughs> no. It's never the right time. The reason we did that for listeners who weren't around the whole time, Stone puts out their Russian Imperial Stout in the summertime. That's when the new yeah. vintage is released. Um, there's a couple of breweries that put out Stouts in the summertime. It, it's a nice change of pace when you're in the middle of the dog days yeah. of summer. So we tried it in the summer, and it was just way too rich and way too dark. and like, Sticky. And the day we drank it, it was like 85 degrees out or something like that. And just, yeah, it's way too coolingly sweet. So I go, okay. So when it was cold and there was snow on the ground, I said, I, I talked Greg into trying it again. And we had we both had the same opinion in the wintertime. You know, six months apart, completely different weather. It was still just too much. The next couple months, we're going to be doing some summer styles. I got beers for Pilsners. We're going to be doing some a little bit more European-style Pilsners. We did a huge winter spectacular. We should probably do a summer spectacular, too. Yeah, someone suggested summer beers. We'll start collecting them. Again, we need a producer to get us all the summer beers now so our listeners can drink them over the next Anyone couple months. Anyone want to volunteer? Over the, I mean, I'm saying over the next couple months. Ideally, you'd want to do the stuff early at the very beginning right, of the yeah. season. So our listeners could listen and then get the beers. I just got some uh, Crema Cerveza from Anderson Valley. Brand new stuff? Yeah. Nice. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I I think I just drank the last bottle of last year's just a (laughs) week or two ago. It held up pretty good for, you know, a summertime, not meant to be aged beer. It held Mm -hmm. up for, you know, most a year pretty well. Okay. The last beer of the evening. This is a one-of-a-kind beer. I don't know of any other beers that are a triple IPA. It's going to be save this one for last. They put enough hops in this thing to get it up over 200 IBUs. They say 112 IBUs in the specs. Does it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I might have typed it in wrong. But also, at a certain point, the formula breaks down. You can't get any more bitterness units into yeah. the solution. So, they might have put in enough hops for the calculation to reach 200, but in reality, if they sent it to a lab, it wouldn't be as high. Maybe it's at 112. Apparently, we can't taste much more than 100 or or much more than 90, somewhere around there. So, after there, it's just all lost on us. But this beer should be insanely hoppy. It's 13% alcohol by volume. It is Founders Devil Dancer. And there's like a a naked girl being held up by Satan on the cover, which is... She's dancing with the devil. I'm assuming it's Satan. It's just a pair of fiery hands. Maybe it's just, you know, David Blaine has his hands on fire. Doing some magic tricks. 
Good old David Blaine. Good old David Blaine. That's the way I think of him. He's good old David Blaine to me. Can you tell we, we have a lot of beer in us? Because we do. <laughs> and we're drinking a 13% alcohol by volume. This is, this is 13%, yeah. So that's pouring a really dark copper. It smells a bit hoppy. It's a really dark copper, if not almost... Uh, it still has a redness to it, but it's almost as yeah. dark as a brown ale. Yeah. Almost a tinnish color. Uh, it's got a white Tin, head. Tint's like a silver. Okay, well, almost a, a really dark copperish tin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's very hoppy, isn't it? Oh, it, 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 it's a very sweet candy-type hoppiness to it. But yeah, there's sweetness in it, too. So, aroma, think along the lines of a 120-minute IPA. I hope this isn't sticky. It's bitter. <laughs> it's bitter. You can taste the IBUs up to the maximum threshold. Wow. And there's a lot of lingering bitterness. And alcohol, too. Not, I mean, there's a lot of alcohol, a lot of lingering bitterness. It, it, you get a sweetness that kind of goes away like that. And then the bitterness starts to seep and grow and grow and grow. All on the side of your mouth. It's not a completely unique flavor, though. I'd say a no. lot. Of, some of the the hoppiest um, double IPAs are very similar to this. I wouldn't say this beer is a, a unique style all on its own. It's, it, well, you know what is unique to me? The sweetness there is a different sweetness than I usually get from. It's a little bit of a darker sweetness. There's a lot of alcohol there. I mean, think if you crossed like a double bastard with. Um, Hercules. I wouldn't think of crossing double bastard with anything because I'm not a fan. <laughs> right. But, I mean, you get a lot of the hops like a Hercules. It's a sweet hoppiness, yeah, candy-like yeah. hoppiness. But, but there's a little more, there's more alcohol to it. That sweetness is a more earthy sweetness. It's not the same kind of sweetness you get from, from the Hercules. It's, okay. it's um, maybe earthy is the, the wrong way to put it, but it's a darker sweetness. It's, it's a more earthy Flavors because of I think the intense bitterness there. Her, uh, Hercules is the double IPA from Great Divide Brewing Company. The Hercules double IPA that we're talking about. I think the hoppiness in this is to me. I think it's most similar to the Hercules, and the it certainly has some tones of the 120 minute IPA as well. Yeah. So it's a light 120 because it has. Several percent, seven percent less alcohol or so. We ranking already, huh? Yeah, that's my rank. From best to worst? Yeah. Well, Greg, well, <laughs> share, share, share. Didn't take much moving. My rank from best to work is number one, dun, 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 breakfast out. The original. The original breakfast out. Man, that was good. I love a coffee beer. People who are big fans of the show know if it's a cough, if it's got coffee in it, I'm going to be into it. And this one, this was good. Next, that dirty bastard was awesome. It was pretty good. That Scotch beer was incredibly good. It was. It wasn't, I guess, quite what you might have expected from the style, but it was so good. It's the only it one matter. I have. I'd love to try this side by side with McEwen's yeah, yeah. just to tell the differences. Because from my memory, I'm having a hard time. 
even at the beginning of the show, before I became intoxicated, it was, I was having a hard time distinguishing the differences. So I would love to have the Dirty Bastard side-by-side side with the McEwens, just so I could compare and, con- and in particularly contrast the differences yeah. between those beers. Next up, Kentucky Breakfast. Awesome, but I just like the regular, the, the incredible coffee highlights more, and I really enjoyed that, that Scotch Hale, so I'd be with that. Um, the, those three are just, those three were incredible beers. Those three were all-stars. The next one is not quite an all-star, but it's pretty damn good, and that would be the Founders Imperial Stout. Like we said, there I think we, think we both said there are better Imperial Stouts out there. The ones that have more of an alcohol presence and a little bit, a little bit more sweet. Yeah, I mean, different people like different kinds yeah. of Imperial Stouts. I know guys who love black chocolate stout and Victory. Victory is an insanely hoppy Imperial Stout. Black chocolate stout is a Excuse me, pretty traditional yeah. long lines of an English imperial stout. But I like the ones that are tons of roastiness and have the alcohol warming. And this last one is a devil dance turn. It's really the only one that I'm not all that ha- all that crazy about. I love the idea. It's a good experience. It's good to try it. Comparing these beers in, against each other, I, I, I'm going to have it. It's going to be down my list, too. Yeah. I just think that the Devil Dancer, you know, it, it's there. It is. It, it, it's really bitter. It's got some sweetness. It's hitting that cloying part a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. It's getting into that sticky area, which I don't like. Yeah, I agree with you. So my my love my rankings are going to be not too different from Greg's. You can probably guess my favorite beer of the evening is the Kentucky Breakfast. Mm-hmm. Ah, I loved that beer. Number two is the Breakfast Stout. Very, very close behind it is the Dirty Bastard. I think I just like the uniqueness of the coffee and everything better than the Dirty Bastard. I really enjoyed it. So, I mean, they're really close together. Then there's a little bit bigger gap down to the Imperial Stout. And you actually express that in (laughs) my water glasses in the way. (laughs) My water glasses in the way, so it's a little bit farther away. And I'm also going to put the Devil Dancer last. It has tons of hops. It's it's a it's worth trying once. I couldn't see myself really wanting to order this many times, you yeah. know, over other beers. It, it's it's almost work to drink this beer. Not because it tastes bad, because it's so bitter, it's high in alcohol, and it, when you get those combinations of high in alcohol, you get a lot of residual sweetness, and it just starts piling up in your mouth. You get this well, tons and tons that. of sweetness. Uh, it gets to that point where... Like I say, it, things get sticky. And when things get sticky, I'm not a big fan. Exactly. Apparently the beer advocate guys love it. <laughs> Apparently. All right. So that is this episode of Craft Beer Radio. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we appreciate it so much. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can send it to beer at craftbeerradio.com. We love hearing from you. I try to reply to every email I get. I think there was one person I accidentally hit the archive button on. And we'll, we'll see you again next week. Thank you very much. Listen close, everybody. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. 